0: Hello and welcome to the Teacher Squad Podcast. Thank you, everybody listening to your cars in your kitchen, however you're finding us. It's number nine. Oh, Rise and shine. I don't know, I'm rhyming stuff. Anyway, what's on the agenda today, Heather? <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about authors, we're going to talk about writing sheds
1: and beautifully crafted sentences.
0: Yeah, guess what I'm talking about? I'm talking about men, Heather. I'm talking <laughs> about it needs to be raining men in schools. Yes. Hallelujah!
1: Hallelujah! <laughs> <laughs> let's go outside no let's not sing <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about enjoyment for writing we're going to talk about blank pages and dragons
0: oh and we're going to be interviewing emily who is going to put us straight about how she does teacher coaching and uh, looking after teacher well-being that is not just about cakes and bubble baths so let's go
1: How's your week been then,
0: Jane? Oh, well, you know, I had to print off all them bank statements.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask you where you're up to, or if you ordered a big set of uh, nice highlighters and then just procrastinated and not done
2: it.
0: No, I'm I'm highlighting my wishes. I've got to have to take (laughs) stock. Tell you what. Oh, she's really got under my skin, she has, with all that uh, sort of you know, ma- manage your money stuff. It's a bit boring though, isn't it? Oh God, it is boring. But
1: Yeah, but but it's worked for her. I've seen the post on Instagram of that lovely camper van and she's, you know, off to buy a fancy curtain. So, you know, maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's worth the effort.
0: Yeah, maybe. Well, I've got um, a lot to be appreciative of this week, Heather, actually, because, um, well, what I want to talk about uh, this week is don't misinterpret me, men. And um, well, I'm pretty s- sure you talk about them
1: quite often, <laughs> top men and all that. Um, Irish you s- authors that you're stalking, sorry.
0: <laughs> no, shut up. His wife was really angry. She blocked me for a while. Um, <laughs> God love her. Mrs Jeffers. Um, yeah. Um, have you watched uh, the Netflix, David Beckham? Thing have you watched that? Yeah, have you no, done that? No. You're too busy watching Strictly, aren't you? Well, <laughs> David, you know we've got a big documentary there, and he's—you can see him through the ages, and he's—you can see he's had his teeth done. Um, you know, lovely, lovely, and I'm, I think I'm going to lick them for him. They're so gorgeous. But oh, what <laughs> Why? Why I want to mention men is. What what I've been really appreciative on my travels this week was being in Key Stage 2 and seeing quite a lot of male teachers recently. Woo-hoo! I know. Uh, and I'm doing a shout-out for Mr. Dolby in Year 2. But what was so wonderful about, um, you know, seeing male teachers in primary, you know, um, and did you know, I mean across primary and secondary, we only have 14% of men in teaching. Um, You know, that's, that's, that's really low, isn't it? You know, really low. Um, And, you know, across the world, it's, it's low. Um, You know, it can get up to 23% in America, but um, broadly, I mean, it's awfully Norway. I don't know where the men are in Norway. They're they're nowhere to be seen. Um, But There is something really wonderful about not just having men in teaching, but men in teaching who are really flying the flag for English, you know, showing that they care about words, you know, Mm. making words centre stage and showing that they care about reading. And, you know, we... You know, we are hanging in the same places on social media and, you know, we've got a lot of great male teachers in primary who are flying the flags for books. But, yeah. you know, we need hundreds, we need thousands more uh, men in teaching because, you know, male teachers matter and, um, and they matter mainly because, you know, kids need male role models, you know, and, and they're very important male role models and they might be, um, you know, for some children, you know, uh, some of the, you know, fewer male role models that they have in their lives. And one of the things um, I think that's really important is that we need to recognise that who is – as the years go by, no matter, you know, even if you're Ofsted and you're crunching the data of a school – you know, every year, year on year, the group that is, you know, being let down, is doing less well, it's the boys. And that gender gap is widening. And, and where it's widening most is in reading and writing. And, um, and I think, you know, we know that boys' brains develop a year later. I mean, we can't, I mean, we're not that radical in England. We're not going to let them start a year later. I mean, there's not going to be any policy Mm. like that. But um, it's it's such a shame that, you know, school is harder for boys. And I think male teachers can be very sensitive, as women can be as well. But, you know, to the very specific challenges that boys have in the classroom, that is often around things like, you know, Organization and uh, and being able to sort of, um, you know, uh, almost like the non-cognitive skills, you know, uh, all the all the different steps they have to do to, you know, just, you know, uh, you know, if you're in year one, like take your coat off and hang it up and sit down mm-hmm. the right way around. you know what I mean? Um, but I don't know. It, it it just really does make my heart sing when I see men men in schools reading stories, men in schools, yeah. carrying books around, uh, modelling writing to a really high quality standard. Uh, you know I care about modelling writing so much. In fact, I could, you know, you could give me 20 hours and I'd talk about it. <laughs> but just just men who care about the written word and are going to um, help boys see the the power of that, you know, the, the art of communication, you know, and... Mr. Dolby is in a, we love reading school, but more than that, you can just see that his classroom is really elevating, uh, language and literacy. And yeah. Uh, so, you know, I know we talk about our values. We want to be feisty and feminist and representing teachers and the latest research. And you know, there's loads of women, but it doesn't mean that we don't want men to, and we want more men with us to sort of raise our, our tribe of beautiful future citizens. So, yeah, I'm grateful for men, Heather. There you go. I said it.
1: I will let you be grateful for men this week. I think maybe you need to be the the face of a campaign because we, you know, we, industry has kind of campaigns about getting more girls into STEM subjects. Maybe we need mm. a campaign for getting more men into teaching. I can see you on a post doing the is it Kitchener we need you and all the men are going to be frightened off
0: (laughs) oh yeah oh on another note um we have I mean we've mentioned it before but it's worth we're just actually not sure if they're working we've got um We've got our new podcast emails and I just want to say really loud, uh, please email me, jane at theteachersquadpodcast.com if you are a man listening to this podcast because I will send you a personal email back to say thank you. We're so grateful that you're here.
1: Oh, please do it. Please check that our emails are working because I'm slightly worried that mine's not. Please, please, please. I sound a little bit desperate now, don't I? Please talk to me. Please be my friend. It's heather at the theteachersquadpodcast.com. Aww. I promise I won't stalk you.
0: <laughs> so what is what is over on your appreciation station, Heather?
1: Well, I'm always full of gratitude, Jane. That oh, That's no, a losing with optimism and positivity doesn't mean everything always goes right but there we go um yeah so this week I've been um working with my wonderful creative assistant Nola Mm -hmm. she's a superstar whoop whoop to Nola um whatever creative ideas come out my brain she has a way of making them happen but we're trying to curate a little video of um some highlights of our virtual author events um, that we've been running for a little short while so i've been going through some of the videos um, of those sessions with sophia ahmed maz evans carl newton oh, what a lineup oh it was just it was just heartwarming kind of going through them and going look at that little snippet of book joy look at those faces lighting up and then the comments from some of the pupils and from the teachers afterwards saying oh that that my class is so inspired they want to do this follow-up activity straight away or when there's draw-alongs and they all hold up their paper and they've you know they've been able to create so I'm I'm grateful for for all of that and the opportunity to have a little look back and reflect on on the goodness that that's doing and also the the teachers that are are making that happen because it's not just about the event at the time is it it's about the kind of like you said that that breathing that enthusiasm and saying we've got this today and here's the book that they're going to read and let's think about some questions that we're going to ask them and then afterwards allowing that to just flow so thank you to those teachers that join us especially the ones that um, maybe get picked on when I can see them rapidly trying to get their microphone or their chat working (laughs) and or or they've got their coffee cup and and obviously they've got their name on the thing so I'm like oh hello Mr Dodds have you not had your coffee yet this morning
0: In, so. it's all it's, gentle oh,
1: banter, yeah, but the kids love that as well, because they yeah of
0: course, shout out. <laughs> but i um, I love those author visits when you do get those sort of goosebump moments because you know you forget you know once the book has been published, like the anguish, the blood sweat, and tears, the thought, and you know how they will really sort of consider and graft over sort of just some of the smallest of language choices and just on how they build things up and, you know, how their whole life <laughs> has gone into uh, some of this work. Um, it, it's just, you can, you can feel that, can't you, when they're, when they're doing particular readings or e- explaining stuff. Oh, you'll know this a bit more than I know this. Do authors still go into like a shed? I mean, is that still like? Is a lot of authors working like that, creating some? Well, I
1: yeah. said Maz Evans. Uh, yeah. She has got an author shed wow. at the um at the bottom of a garden. I think it's probably slightly fancier than Real yeah. Does, but yeah, she she did her virtual author visit, beamed in from the shed, which you know has its very wow. own kettle and everything. You have a cup yeah. of tea while you're down there. And yeah. I know that we've got um oh why can't I think of a name
0: jam factory know. chrissy Sains. oh yes chrissy Saints
1: is love that on. book
0: you know weird oh, weird she... love that book just <laughs> it brilliant. is just love it yeah yeah we've yeah. got a reading unit linked to that book i love it um oh, go,
1: wicked she's go... got a reading that's what i going to tell you she's got a reading like tree house what that? that is a writing so... tree house
0: So yes, it is
1: a thing. Maybe you need
0: one, Jane. Yeah, I think I do need one. Do you know what? uh, This is kind of going off on a tangent now, but Emma Carroll... Um, it's not so much about the reading shed. She has to write in so much silence. She needs industrial ear defenders to block out the world so she can listen to her, her internal writing voice. And she just oh, and she and she just keeps getting you know like these more and more padding around her ears. You know, like she's got a quilt, some <laughs> cotton wool, the ear defenders ah. because she just wants to so immerse herself uh into the words him, and the no. world. And that that's just like even the dog barking get can get on her nerves. Just because it kind of jolts her out of the historical fiction world that she's in at any one time. I so. get
1: that. Oh she's a great writer. But she her dogs appear on her with yeah. her visits. Yeah, they're yeah. very important to her. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> have you been thinking about your sentence this week, Jane? Yeah, I have. i have you been on your high horse. Again, well, you, oh, well you know, I'm a, little, I'm a bit more sort of, yeah, I, I I tell you, um, you know, I am always about the data and then scratching a bit deeper. And of course, uh, one of the places, uh, in the UK that collect data for us about kind of English curriculum and how things are going with pupils on the ground is the National Literacy Trust. Um, yep. and, um, They've done some data and you can. the great thing about the National Literacy Trust is that you can always go uh, and find the reports, print them off uh, and dig deep and read it for yourself. But I think this is so important. You know, we talk about teachers being stressed. We talk about the amount we have to do. We've got curriculum overload. We've got timetables at crunch point. You know, if you say to a teacher, oh, actually, you know, you might need a bit more time to grow that it's like oh you know we can't fit that in you know we've got 40 minutes and then if she goes on too much in assembly that's like 30 minutes you know everything's just really tricky um and sometimes I think because of that time crunch um and us feeling sort of there's so much to do it feels a bit relentless sometimes we forget that actually if we can I mean, you talked about journeys last week, didn't you? You know, like enjoy the journey because pupils who enjoy writing, and this is so crucial, are seven times more likely to be our greater depth writers. And um, so writing enjoyment and writing attainment are really critically linked. So we've got to make sure that children are enjoying it. And, you know, you and I know in England, there's a lot of pressure, isn't there, on the sort of the judgment, the sort of independent writing file. You know, kids are judged like that. Teachers are judged. Schools are judged. Um, You know, it's very high stakes. Uh, But actually, uh, the more they're enjoying it, we're enjoying it, then this is all going to feed into kind of higher standards. And the problem we've got, actually, is that since... um, you know, uh, well, in you know, this year, enjoyment levels have dropped off and, and they've dropped off for all children, kind of regardless of their age and regardless of their background. Now, I'm not going to be negative because, you know, I get a bit like, you, you have to keep, you giving me the eye, like, come on, bring it back. <laughs> yeah, I will. Um, what is positive um, is that children actually... Enjoy writing at school. They enjoy writing at school more than they do at home. And they okay. and they do enjoy writing at school uh, with the structures and the support. Um, and it's about a 10% difference, you know. Um, however, it's only 43.9% of kids who enjoy writing at school. So we do have to kind of check in with ourselves that it is kind of a positive place uh, to write and kind of interlink with that you know motivation is so important isn't it you know yeah. have have we helped kids find you know find that they they want to write and that culture of you know we're here teaching you how to write but we really want you to love your own writing. We want you to share your own writing. And we love hearing each other's writing. Um, And us as a teacher, it's not just modeling the nuts and bolts and sort of structures and changes and all of that, but it's, we've got to write with energy and excitement and pleasure so that we can showcase, you know, actually how exciting writing can be. Um, And one of the, uh, this is like a little clutch of schools that I'm working with in Northamptonshire. Uh, We've been working really closely, um, you know, uh, with a mat. And um, one of the things we're trying to establish uh, across this sort of group of schools is this idea of putting a sentence up in light. So you'll be, you'll be reading your class reader, you know, let's say, you know, I don't know, it's J.K. Rowling or whatever, and you're, you're reading your class reader and you go, right, this sentence is great. We've, we've come across it in reading. Let's put it up in lights. And this kind of other way of um, we can... Look at that sentence model like a grammar wireframe. You know, everything's about modeling, modeling, modeling. But we can rep- replicate the sentence patterns of the of, the, of best selling authors. You know, so if we had up in lights this week, you know, from J.K. Rowling, you know, out of his pocket, he produced a wand, a long twisted piece of wood that glowed at the end. We could go, right, Well, we've got that structure up there. You know, can you pick that off and insert your own content? You know, keeping some of the punctuation, some of the kind of core words, you know, out of the drawer, she revealed a letter, a tatty folded piece of paper that held the secret. So it's it's helping kids see um, that, you know, you could be as good as the kind of the best-selling, award-winning authors. Um, I love this sentence. Uh, this is one that, uh, you know, from our project work that I spotted on the wall. It's a long one, but a good one, and it's from Michael Morpurgo's Kansuki's Kingdom. Um, we struggled on with our suitcases, the gulls crying overhead, the yacht mass clapping around us and Stella yapping at all of it. Until at last he stopped right by a gangplank that led up to a gleaming blue yacht. So he got kind of got all those busy sensations. And um, I mean, look at what this year five child wrote, taking the Michael Morpogo structure and putting it in their story where the setting was a school It's just amazing. Um, We struggled in with our school bags, the shrill bell reverberating overhead, the tower-palling tuck-shop gazebo slapping nearby, Mm. and my sister squealing at all of it, until at last she stopped right by the front entrance that led up to our imposing new school. Ah, so good. Uh, and it's this sort of unlocking, you know, because we always say, "Oh, read with a writerly eye." But this idea of, sh- sh- can you give me a Michael Moore? Pergo, C- can you give me a Philip Pullman? You know, can you give me a Juliet Jarman? You know, and we can we can act as a guide for aspiring writers and they can play and practice with it. I mean, we know all the research about worked examples, but I just think that's sort of a sentence up in lights, you know, that kids can learn from examples, you know, all the work by Atkinson and Kerry in the year 2000, you know, we can unlock what experts are doing provide insight for them and that sentence up in lights is part of the enjoyment you know what I mean building their self-esteem you know and you know I call him rise and shine (laughs) (laughs) you know but rose and shine has, has told us all along you know we you know can support their thinking you know, by modelling, showing them how to unlock a sentence like Michael Morpurgo's, you know, and we can show them through modelling how we're thinking, what, what we're doing, how we're building this Michael Morpurgo and what the working steps are, uh, why we're doing it. And so they can excel up there with the best authors.
1: Yeah, I think slowing down and just, mm. yeah, focusing on one thing yeah, just really carefully just is really empowering. It was yeah. great that, Jane, but do you know what you forgot to do? What? You didn't actually tell me what your sentence was.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> let me sum it up then, if I can. Uh, my sentence is, um, well, I'm going to do it on the fly now. My sentence is... You
1: mean is, you didn't prepare one? Oh, no, but i did it on the
0: fly. We're, We're on week nine and
1: she's going, <laughs> I can do this now. Just,
0: just put it out the bag. Joddy planning. My sentence is, um, children can enjoy writing if we unlock for them a pathway to be just as good as the best-selling author's.
1: I'll
0: let you off. You can pull it out of the bag. Smart smart and arse are on the PG ratings. You are lucky, Heather. I
1: don't need a list. I am always uh, soapy, clean-mouthed.
0: Yeah, good Um, girl.
1: (gasps) (laughs) I feel like things have happily and nicely come together on this week's podcast
0: it's like we've planned as, it babe as,
1: well we plan our own parts but we don't yeah. tell each other the other bit no but, because you know, it's
0: nice I love to hear what you've got to say it's gorgeous
1: but it, we've been to keep that whole kind of book language going we're on the same page yeah so you've talked about those um that we talked about some of the authors and hearing from them and how they've crafted all of those words. Then you've talked about that example. And I've got, I maybe I sense that you were not going to have prepared your sentence, and I've got two. <sighs> Good. So- Maybe that's what it is. We're so in tune that you (laughs) felt that you you didn't need to because I'd over-prepared. So mine is all about writing as well, Jane. Yeah. So it's like like our podcast marriage. It's a happy uh, combination.
0: Yeah, Um, talking (laughs) of marriage, I felt so guilty yesterday. Uh, Not yesterday. Well, no, I'm not very good at time. Do you know what I mean? I reflected that I didn't send you a birthday card. So... uh, (laughs) There is a card coming. It's like so late. <laughs> Did you late. wash it? Did I've you what? wash it? <laughs> I washed it. I've washed it to your I house. Don't, so. I don't think
1: we have. I don't think we have washed down here in West Carbond. <laughs> Never mind. Here's my sentences. Thinking about writing, and it really does, Jane, fit nicely in with what you were saying about getting the kids to feel confident and enjoy writing. So... Quite often, uh, you will hear authors say or teachers may say, "Write about what you know. Write about what you know." But how can you write about what you know when you think you don't know much? And what I want to say is, a blank canvas is never really blank. Kids do know loads of stuff about their own lives. I think sometimes we can be anxious of letting them write about it because we think, oh, my goodness, they've got trauma in their life and they're going to write about that. And it's like, no, no, no. It's the mundane and it's the little. It's just the normal things um, in their life. And I was thinking about um, an author breakfast that I went to. This is this is a good while ago now. Um, I think it was about 2018. And it was up in Preston, and it was invited to it by a group of publishers, the Independent Alliance. I was a bookseller, so I was there as a bookseller uh, with my good friend, Les McFarlane, who has a beautiful bookshop up in Warrington called Tell Tales. Mm. If you've not checked it out and you're up that way, please go and say hi to Les. Um, and we went, and all these authors popped up and talked about their books that were going to be coming out in the next three six months Mm. um and there was one that that stuck with me um and actually this book has uh been re-released on the 2nd of November and it's called Dragon Daughter um Mm. and it's by Liz Flanagan and I remember um so it's been brought out again by by UClan Publishing with a a lovely cover from Joe Todd Stanton um Mm. And I remember Liz getting up and telling us about the dragons and how she had created those characters. And it stuck with me. And I thought, as a teacher, my brain was going, yes, this is brilliant. I love it. Uh, But just that wordy kind of goosey moment. But and I've been re-in-touch with Liz just to refresh my memory that I was getting it getting it right but she said that when she was uh, writing about the dragons which are obviously something that are not real we can't go and watch them and observe them she'd used two different things that she could observe in her everyday life and brought them together to help her with the description So she was talking about how she'd watched her broody hen be really protective over the eggs and growling at her when she went to check on them. And she'd brought that into the dragon's character with those eggs in the story. So she said that definitely added to the mother dragon behaviour. But also she has a cat and she talked about how, you know when the cats come and bops you on the nose just a little yeah. bop to say hello yeah. and she said she brought that into the had the character of the baby dragons and i just i thought that was really lovely and actually a way to say you haven't got a blank page why don't we take some of the things that we know in the way that you've given a sentence structure and then you've allowed children to manipulate that f- with their own ideas let's take some things that we know they might not even have a pet, but we've all seen house spiders and think you know with birds in the garden. Let's observe some of those things. let's grab some of the ideas how do they move this part? how do they move this part and then can we mash it up with another? Another creature, another observation to create maybe some dragon behaviors or another made up creature uh, yeah, yeah. of our own. I think those levels of detail in writing, as you, you alluded to before, that the authors have sat in their writing sheds or their tree houses with their headphones blocking everything out. They've really taken the time over those little details actually. They're what gives the light to writing and the the heart and the soul yeah, to yeah. it. And I think when we give kids those sentence structures that they can manipulate and then feel like they're writing at the level of best-selling Maz Evans or Emma mm-hmm. Carroll, um, then or we you know they can create a character. The confidence that they get from that is what builds that um, enthusiasm and that. Um, What's the word that you Drive use? for writing, yeah. That drive, but also that sense of accomplishment and that yeah. enjoyment. The word yeah. I was looking for was enjoyment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I think the other thing to say, interlinked with that, Heather, is like we do really panic that when we say to children, you know, we want them to uh, create their own stories. We panic that they're, oh my God, it's going to have fork knife in it or Sonic the Hedgehog or Marvel or a flying saucer or an alien or a ghost. Oh, it's going to be dreadful, but... Let them write about what they want to write about. You know, you know, if they're excited for writing and it's their rip-off uh, computer games and their films, like let's start there. But let's then let's start with what you're excited by, and then I can help you as your teacher to push you to the to the edge of your thinking. And you know, let's do this really well. And yeah, we we need to um, you know consider that all the time because you yeah. know. Um, being motivated enjoying the process is kind of one of the hardest things
1: absolutely Uh, every I'm very fortunate to have been to many many author events and visits and without a shadow of a doubt every single one is writing about something that they know that they're interested in that they have a passion for there isn't any that are writing about something they don't want to so you know with our kids that's that's what we've got to give them as well and yeah if, if the same for us as teachers if we are keen on developing that aspect of of school then our well-being is good isn't it and and, and we are keen which yeah, yeah. gives us a nice segue
0: get me oh look at you and your segues <laughs> <laughs> is
1: that like a chocolate
0: oh oh, i do like a
1: chocolate orange (laughs) (laughs) anyway anyway well-being teacher well-being we have a lovely guest uh who is very keen on teacher well-being should we invite her in jay
0: oh yeah let's have a chat let's see if she's got a chocolate orange i hope so
1: Right, Jane, can I tell you a bit about our lovely guest today? We've got Emily Armstrong with us. She's an experienced teacher and leader, and she has a passion for revolutionising pedagogy and empowering teachers to realise their full potential. So welcome to the Teacher Squad podcast, Emily. We're really pleased to have you with us today.
2: Thank you, Hello, I'm pleased to be here.
1: We thought we'd uh, warm you up with some... Light-hearted questions, if that's okay. So I'm going to go first. Okay.
2: So we know
1: we know that you're on a mission to cut through the narrative about bubble baths and cakes in the staff room that surround teacher well-being. But if there are going to be cakes in the staff room, I mean, what cakes are you choosing? <laughs>
2: I think that's the easiest question ever. I was even I was ready to answer before you even finished the question. Then definitely a (laughs) definitely a millionaire shortbread. Love a millionaire shortbread. That would be mine. That might sway me. I think.
0: Yeah. it's my it, favourite too. I'm I, I, I feeling anything toffee, on the toffee continuum is just yeah. right up there, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that is it a good is. show. Uh, you're probably too young. I don't know, Emily, you're younger than me, I think. The Bubble Bath, is it Radox or Mr Matey? Do you even know what Mr <laughs> Matey is?
2: I do remember Mr Matey. I do indeed. <laughs> Oh. I feel like uh, I feel like I've got some nostalgia going on there, so I'm going to say Mr. Matey.
0: I Yeah, think I'd quite like Mr. Matey back in my life, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you still get it? Yeah, I, I reckon. I reckon you can. Surely, <laughs> did surely. It, did it make your bath go blue? I don't know. I don't know if it had colour. I think that was a later edition in the 90s. But you know, old style Mr. Matey. It was just all excitement in the bottle, and then not a lot on the delivery. I think. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah. Now I, I take the mick out of Heather for this cause she can get a bit cheesy and gooey and, and positive and excitable. Uh, and, uh, I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, Instagram sort of quotes about getting through the day, being a teacher, that sort of thing. Um, Is there a kind of an Instagram slogan, a sort of a sort of a pithy sort of, you know, slogan type thing that you go? Yeah. Do you know what? It might be a bit cheese balls, but I would wear it on a T-shirt. Have you got one of them, (laughs) Emily?
2: Yeah, I have. I thought you were going to ask me one that I didn't like. Then I can give you one of those as well, if you like. Um, I would say it's for me, it's cheesy, but it would be if nothing changes, nothing changes. I love that because I think, yeah, I think it is very deep. It is. But I think we can control a lot of the things that we sometimes think we can't. So I think that would be something that I kind of stick by. I think every day I try to act in in a way that I help myself and help others. So, yeah, I think that would be that one for me.
0: Oh, I, I just think there is a lot that you can change. I think you, it's kind of knowing, isn't it, what you can't change and what you can change. And in the can department, uh, trying to edge nearer and nearer to kind of making a difference for the better. So, yeah, love that. And live, laugh, love. That's a bit good as well. I
1: want to know what you wouldn't have. Go on. (laughs) I'm going to have it made up and post it out to Jane so she has to wear it.
0: (laughs) You dare. I'm not slapping that across my tits. No way. (laughs) You
2: haven't heard what it is yet? Go on, Emily. Well, the one I hate, the one I absolutely hate is the very cheesy, turn that frown upside down. That for me is like, why? Yeah. <laughs> it's not that easy. Why?
0: <laughs> yeah, or just the people say to you, oh, smile. You're like, oh, yeah. well, I, I've got, just got my PG now list. Oh, um, <laughs> arse off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have to be careful saying things, Not not your... PG list, Jane. I mean, you have to be careful about saying things like that to people when they go, "Oh, it can't be that bad or whatever. And and actually, it might be. Yes. It, it might yes. be the case. I yeah, remember yeah. somebody saying something like that to me in school and, I'd, and said something like, oh, I'm sure it's not as bad as it seems. And I just had a phone call to say that my nan had passed away. Oh, and, I like, some people mean well, don't they, when they're trying to just, you know, yeah say things yeah. like that to kind of g you along, but
0: yeah. just reminds
1: us yeah. to be um sensitive, doesn't it? But oh, I'm still gonna get you the t-shirt, Jane.
0: Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> In big writing. Anyway, <laughs> let's do some proper questions. Emily, we we had um one of our Mr. T guests, we had a series of Mr. T's on. One of them was talking about ECTs and we're really keen to uh, support the up-and-coming early career teachers and you are really into supporting teachers to find their assertiveness. So what would you advise ECTs to do to, to, to be more assertive?
2: I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because you come into a new profession and you obviously you're new to it and you're a novice and you don't want to come across as big-headed or thinking you know things when, when actually you don't. But for me, it would be just to ask questions. I think I regret, as a it was an NQT back then, not an ECT, but I regret not asking the questions that I wanted to ask. And I would things like managing parents, managing difficult parents and things like that, I just kind of did it and sometimes it went well, sometimes it didn't. And I think the more you can ask the people around you, the more you can grow and progress with that. So that would be my main advice to just put yourself out there and no question's a stupid question. Just, just go and, and ask and fail and do what you need to do because everybody's learning. Even experienced teachers, assertive-wise, will go into a, a meeting and feel that they're not necessarily able to say what they want to say. So I think just learning from the people around us, really. Yeah, I
1: think I saw one of people. Your helpful little videos on Instagram that said um, Mm. about starting off with something small, like asking about your coffee or saying how you wanted your coffee. I thought that was a really useful way of kind of getting in there of, you know, start with something that you feel, well, what can I do? What can I be assertive about? And slowly build your confidence.
2: Mm. Exactly, I think life's too short, isn't it, to not have your coffee how you want it. I think <laughs> just tell people <laughs> you want two sugars, and lots of milk, say it.
0: <laughs> oh, it's so hard being a. NQT isn't it it's so hard there's so much to do and oh I just remember that awful feeling when uh, well I'm going to change her name to uh, protector Mary Jones would uh, kind of stomp out to me and say you've forgotten played ground duty again you know and it's just like there's so much to think about uh, and muck up you know and uh, and then trying to find a voice in that is is hard again isn't it Yeah, nightmare. God, thank thank God that's behind me. Um, In in more general terms, with some of the people that you work with, um, you know, uh, kind of the upper echelons of the school, you know, lots of SMT support, what do you think are some of the personal barriers uh, that kind of people are facing to try and do an effective job? You know, are they things that... um, you know, they can change, or, or you know, and uh, navigate around to become more effective. Uh, what sort of conversations are you having with people, you know, on the ground?
2: Yeah, I think one of the most difficult things at the moment is, um, obviously, there's a, there's a huge amount of challenges, isn't there, for teachers and, and leaders in schools. And I think the first thing that we always talk about when I work with clients is actually the amount of negativity that's in education at the moment and actually finding the strength and the energy to actually drive things forward within that i think that's really difficult for people um but for the people that i work with who are always very ambitious and they want to like i said they want to make change it's about setting some boundaries first and foremost they're not pulled in mm-hmm. by other people's problems other people's sometimes there is negativity obviously there are things that we we want to talk about and we want to challenge but Setting those boundaries is really important. Um, in terms of other challenges, it would be, I mean, workload is huge, isn't it, for everybody. And I think to actually, at the end of the day, once all the things have gone on in school and all of the day-to-day problems have happened, finding the time to to do the things, the creative things that you really want to drive change within your school or within your team um, is difficult. So I think there's a huge amount going on. But saying that, there's a huge amount of amazing educators who are doing amazing things. So I think it's important that we hold on to that because there is, like I say, so much, so many problems so and many, so many horror stories that we're hearing in education that it's important to recognise that those people are still there and they're still doing an amazing job.
0: Yeah. And do you meet, do you go to schools, Emily, where they get that sort of team ethic working? I mean, Heather and I talk about that quite a lot, you know, when you, when you, you can tell you're, it's, it's a healthy school. It's not toxic. People truly are playing to their strengths. I mean, um, what are some of the, the the sort of things you see kind of on a very sort of hyper specific level where it kind of is working, you know, what is that? It's, It's hard to sort of pin down sometimes, isn't it?
2: It is. I think it's a huge ethos. And I think um, because part of my role is is coaching for QFT within the schools. And I think the schools that are most successful at the moment are those who have completely ditched the judgment culture. So they're not going into people's lessons and you know grading them and, and giving them a long list of things as long as they're armed to work on. They're actually being really specific in what they as a school need to work on and what each individual can do to just be even better. And I think that is a huge difference in in cultures at the moment. If schools can, can build that and really play to the strengths of everybody and get everybody involved in the development, that's where the real well-being comes in.
0: Yeah, one of the schools I've worked with recently have got a, a, a post-CPD system set up that when you go for or have whole school CPD, that the teachers are set into pairs with a sort of, sort of a, a section or a project strand of the CPD, and they work mm-hmm. together on it. And they're not necessarily friends who are teacher friends in schools. You know, they might be in very different key stages, uh, but they kind of pursue it. Uh, sort of pilot it and then come back and have conversations about it, and they've got each other, mm-hmm. and they kind of feed it back into this kind of cycle of CPD. And I just love that idea that kind of you're you're set off with a a professional friend to kind of knock something into shape. Uh, and I think yes. that's a really good system to kind of put in place. And I'm trying to promote that wherever I go. And I yeah. believe you, me. I'm going bloody everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think that's great always on the road <laughs> that's yeah. good that's not a bad thing yeah but no I, I think as well I think building on the question that you asked me about the ECTs I think if ECTs can see that everybody else is learning then that helps them to be a bit more assertive in, in what they believe and what they feel is working well and it just creates that culture doesn't it of everybody as a learner and that's that's what we instill in the children so why would we not do that for the staff as well.
1: Absolutely. And I think we talk about change. Change is like sometimes it, it it can feel that CPD, we've done it, there it is, we tick it off the list and it's happened. And actually that's not the case, is it? It's something that we kind of have to walk through, learn through two steps forward, two steps back, and you know, help each other along the way. Um you talked about the fact that you do lots of coaching sessions with different different teachers. Um What tools and techniques are some of those teachers that you work with really appreciating in those coaching sessions?
2: Yeah so the first thing we we do, the first thing I do when I work with anybody is just to get really clear on what they want. Um, It's really funny actually how sometimes teachers, teachers in particular I think feel like it's a profession that is particularly bad for this, have just kind of gone through their role maybe progressed and moved up moved up moved up and never really thought about what they actually want from their job and the values that they have so we get really clear on that first of all so we we talk about you know what what do you where do you see your career going what type of school do you want to work in what type of role do you want um really getting clear on the detail with that because like I say often people haven't even thought about that um, and their values as well. So, what things are really important to them? So, what really pushes their buttons? And just to give them that insight into why. So, if, for example, if they've had a really pay, they can start to rationalise as to why that is. So, often, for example, if they, um, if honesty is a really key value for them, and they've been into work and, and somebody, they feel that somebody's um, maybe been a bit underhand with something, it can completely derail them. But understanding that that's why that's pushing their buttons. Gives them a real insight into themselves, and I think as teachers we don't put ourselves first very often. So I think that alone is is really, like I say, it's insightful for them, and it gives them that understanding of of them as a person rather than just as a teacher.
0: Yeah, yeah I think that's really important. I think uh, on you know. On an SMT team, it, I just always find it so fascinating who at any one time is really angry and enraged about something and somebody else said, well, I'm not bothered that they do that. What, what's the big deal? But you're absolutely right. That comes back to their own kind of personal values and what's kind of a, a tipping point or, you know, yeah. I, I find that very difficult to tolerate, you know, yeah. and just knowing that about each other as well in, in how we kind of morph together to work and, and kind of set, boundaries in place because we're we've all we've got always so much to do in teaching uh, and knowing how other people's tick you know absolutely
2: I and i think yeah i think that's the other side of it. Is, it's yourself and it's other people as well so even things like with parents you know we've all been there when we've gone out onto the playground and the parents really angry and we go home feeling awful we analyze it we're worried about it but actually understanding that from a from another perspective why that person is is reacting like that and not taking it yeah. personally is really really helpful in, in enabling you to to move on from that and to develop those those skills again. Like we said, that assertiveness, that that understanding, that empathy uh, is huge.
0: Definitely mm.
1: makes me think yeah. of our conversation with Ginny and the the empathy road there. Um, I was just when you were saying about teachers not thinking about themselves and what they want to do. I think sometimes when performance management is done ineffectively it's because targets are given and and this is oh you can pick a personal target but it must be about this tiny little box and it's like well it's not really about nurturing and that that whole feeling of of how teachers are looked at in society really and Mm -hmm. Yeah, it comes back to that picture, I think, doesn't it? If, you know, we're, we're, we're just told what to do. We don't have the time to actually think about ourselves as individuals. Mm. Um, it's a big one, that, really. Sorry, mm. uh, I digress on that.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. And I think as well, like I said earlier, people there's kind of a pathway, isn't there, in teaching. It's almost like, right, you start as an ECT, then you progress and you go into maybe senior leadership, headship, and people don't always realise there's other pathways as well. They don't have to climb that ladder. Like for some people, they they don't want, they just want to be an amazing classroom teacher, and that's fine. Um, That's great. We need those people. So I think it's about them knowing that they can progress and grow in other ways rather than that traditional pathway that we all kind of get cajoled into thinking is the only route to go down.
0: yeah um interlinked with that you know the um the the teacher pathway I mean whatever pathway you're on within a school uh you know on average we're working you know just under 60 hours a week that's the current national findings I mean that's a that's a lot of hours eating into kind of personal life and personal time um are you dealing with that in your Mm. within your conversations Emily like the issue of workload and and what can be done and have you kind of met people who manage that well and and can we learn from them I suppose
2: yeah absolutely I mean it's, it's on everybody's mind isn't it you don't really go through a conversation with other teachers without talking about the amount of work that's involved and I think I think there's kind of two um two aspects to it really so first and foremost obviously it comes from the top um, there's some aspects of school and, and workload that, that leaders need to be really mindful of and they need to make sure that they are looking at policies and making sure that the teachers aren't doing things unnecessarily but there is definitely from on an individual level there's also a, a lot of things that the teachers can do to support themselves and just to give them that extra time to to switch off and do the things they love because like I said before life is too short <laughs> to be working and marking every hour under the sun so The things that I work with my clients on are things like thinking about your energy. So rather than sitting on an evening, plowing through things and getting nothing done, thinking about when you're most energetic. So if you work best in the morning, is it that you can go through the tasks that require the most thought processes then? And maybe in the evening, if you need to do something, maybe you just do some admin things that are a little bit more you don't need to think about um i remember it well i remember sitting there in front of the tv doing nothing literally with my laptop for hours because i wasn't i just wasn't in the right, right mindset um so it's really important to be mindful of that there's lots you can do with productivity lots of different to do lists and things that are online so it's it's really finding what works for you there is a huge amount of workload as we all know but it's not it's not completely impossible to to make you know give yourself more time to enable to be more productive and and to have that time that you need to switch off and just just relax and just have the time that, that you want and I'll are you like- an
1: early bird or a mm, night owl emily yeah.
2: oh i'm an early bird always an early <laughs> bird. But i'm rubbish in the evenings i'm asleep by i'm literally asleep in front of the tv so for me i have to anything that i want to really put some work into it's got to be first thing in the morning
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you won't find Heather first thing in the morning, no way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe once or twice a year, but yeah, no, definitely a night owl, definitely a night owl.
0: Uh, well, thank you, Emily. Thank you for all your insights and, and actually thanks for all your sensitivity about, you know, what currently is happening in teaching and how that requires very careful consideration with your work with um, schools.
2: Emily, people
1: want to work with you. Where can they find you?
2: Yeah. So first and foremost, I'm on Instagram. So I am at Emily Armstrong Education. Um, So that is really my platform where everything else is. So that's the go to for me.
1: Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you very much. Lovely to meet you both.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Emily.
1: Ah, oh, Jane, it's always good to talk about teacher well-being, isn't it? But um, mm. I think I've changed my mind. I, I was asking you for a chocolate orange, but I've ch- I think, um, could you send me some Mr Matey <laughs>
0: <laughs> Certainly, yeah. Look at you, switching it up. You want men in your life now in the bathroom. Mr Matey. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Moving uh, swiftly on. Yes. Um,
1: should, we, should we do some Wonder of Words, our favourite? Yes. Bit?
0: Yeah. Well, what I'll tell you what's glimmering over here in The Wonder of Words is actually a teenage read. Um oh. and uh, it's The Knife of Never Letting Go by Patrick Ness. Now I adore Patrick Ness and uh, I just want to read uh this little moment. Um, you know, w- with Patrick Ness novels, it might not be the whole novel that you'd read to Year 6, but there's definitely some chapters uh, that need showcasing to uh, Year 6 pupils because, in my opinion, you cannot write a cleaner, well-crafted novel than Patrick Ness does. He is in my top 10 hundred percent. Don't say they all are. I'm not having it. Um, So this book is about Todd and it's a science fiction and Todd lives in planet new world. And in Todd's world uh, on this planet, Uh, you can hear each other's thoughts. Now, why Patrick uh, wrote this book, you know, hearing each other's thoughts in the novel is called Noise. Uh, He just felt that uh, the youth of today uh, are just swamped with noise. And he felt compelled to write it because he just said they don't ever get a chance to escape from this information overload and social media of noise. Now, this is a very unflinching read. It's a very uh, exhilarating read. Um, uh, but the Todd, I'll tell you what, what's good in this story is that Todd's dog also, uh, has noise to bring in the mix and we can hear the dog's <laughs> thoughts. Oh,
1: is that uh, like on, is it on up where the dog <laughs> has a thing and the dog's talking? <laughs> i'm gonna well, get one for
0: luna yeah well you realize that dogs are quite stupid when you read uh the knife of Neverland. never <laughs> Go. oh dear but uh after you know going through so much together todd and his friends um this book to me like all books does do but it it acts like a map and it pushes us towards hope and uh this is um the paragraph that i want to read Okay, But there's always hope, Ben says. You always have to hope. And we both look at him. And there must be a word for how we're doing it, but I don't know what that is. We're looking at him like he's speaking a foreign language, like he just said he was moving to one of the moons, like he's telling us it's all just a bad dream and there's candy for everyone. Look, he's... There ain't a lot of hope out there, Ben, I say. He shakes his head. What do you think's been driving us on? How do you think we've got this far? Fear, says Viola. Desperation, I say. No, he says, taking us both in. No, it's not that. We've come further than most people have on this planet as far as anyone will come in their whole lifetimes. We've overcome obstacles and dangers and and things that should have killed us. We've outrun an army and a madman and a deadly illness. And we've seen most things that people will never see. How do you think we could have got this far, without hope. And Viola and I exchange a glance. Yeah, <laughs> I see what, what you're trying to say, Ben. I start. Hope, he says, squeezing my arm on the word. It's hope. I'm looking into your eyes right now and I'm telling you that there's hope for you and there's hope for me and there's hope for all of us, and he looks up at Viola, Viola and back at me, and you know what? There's hope waiting for us at the end of this road. <sighs> oh, I yeah. love that. Yeah, it's I'm a,
1: a hopeful soul.
0: Yeah, it's it's a. I love Patrick Ness. Um, you know, it, it, all his. You can't read all of his. A whole lot to year six but I love reading a chapter because you know I love saying to kids look when you're a bit older get to secondary school it's, it's great great work mm. Mm.
1: thanks for sharing that
0: not at
1: all I, I'm going to share a bit from the book that I mentioned in uh, my sentence of the week um, great and Liz Flanagan the author of Dragon Daughter has said that she would she'd like to give away a signed copy
0: for oh, some of our. Oh, Liz, that's a bit good, isn't it?
1: That's nice, isn't it? Some of our yeah. our listeners. So, um, it's called Dragon Daughter. So she would like you to finish this sentence. I like dragons because,
0: mm. and you
1: can enter by emailing Heather. <laughs> at the teachers podcast.com <laughs> let's see if it works people um yeah so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a bit from that and like I said I, I wanted to get back in touch with Liz just to refresh my memory um on her insight into writing so I asked her her favorite section to read aloud so I'm gonna read um That bit, and it's where the dragon eggs are hatching. So Mila is the servant girl, and she's been looking after these eggs, but then some people have got them. She doesn't want to have them. You'll have to read to find out that, but here we go. Are you ready? Yeah. A tiny, knobbled lump appeared right through the egg, pushing out a jagged piece of shell the size of her thumbnail. It's coming. "'Mila said. "'She struggled with all her strength, only causing more pain. "'Let me see. Can't you just let me see?' "'She pleaded uselessly with the guards. "'Her neck protested as she twisted round. "'The dragon made steady progress, with pauses to rest. "'Tack!' "'Another large piece of shell fell off. "'They were almost at the door now, a few more steps. "'I don't mean to leave you,' Mila shouted.' praying that the little creature could hear her. Then came a different movement. A rocking, shifting, gathering. Quite suddenly, the two halves of the shell fell apart. Oh, wait, look! Vigo's words stopped everything. Even the two guardsmen halted to stare. Curled on the cushion lay a damp, exhausted baby dragon mewing faintly Next to the shards of its shell, its body glistened with moisture, dark blue like lapis lazuli. A dragon! Mila's heart blossomed at the sight. The colour of the dragon unlocked something inside her. She recognised that blue. It was the blue from her dreams. This was meant to be. Before she knew what she was doing, Mila put her lips together and blew she whistled a short series of five notes, ascending, then descending. The song from her dreams, loud and clear, it carried across the room. The dragon heard. It lifted its little head and listened, drained and limped as it seemed. It heard Mila and it responded with a hoarse, eep,
0: eep, eep, eep,
1: eep as if trying to sing the same song. She whistled again, the notes she'd been dreaming. The blue dragon replied, everyone heard it.
0: Oh, that's good, isn't it? Really good. I love the short and long sentences there that are snuggled up together. That rhythm of writing, oh yeah. Really there's good. definitely a few in there that we could put up in lights aren't there Jane yeah definitely yeah, yeah. I don't often dream in blue but it's, it sounds like a good colour to dream in yeah a bit cold oh. though for me <laughs> yeah. have you got a, a nice week ahead Jane well I'm going to Lardy Dar in fact people have got a couple of days Ooh. to book on if they want to go to Lardy Darland. I'm going to Kensington in London darling yes and I hope there's a few we'll chandeliers you. around yeah we're going to a very swanky, posh hotel in London will be there on the 10th of November. In fact, you, if you've not been trained on the right stuff and you want to hear it from the horse's mouth, then I'll be there uh, on the 10th of November. Unless you're listening after the 10th of November, so don't bloody bother. Uh, and yeah, we'll be talking about writing. Loads of nitty gritty stuff about how to be the best teacher of writing you can be. So yeah, what are you doing, honey bunch? Well, the big question is, you know, you're uh, larded
1: r off to Kensington. Yes, it's very different to the Kensington in Liverpool, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think it's hard to get it. Are you going to Kenny? La. Anyway, are
0: you are you going to wear your trainers to London? Well, you know, it's. I now feel really guilty if I put heels on. I'm thinking of you and thinking like I've done a disservice. But yes, yeah, some uh, listen. <laughs> I do rock different shoes, but I'll see. Just sometimes it's just kind of, it's getting a bit cold, isn't it? And like trainers are lovely now, aren't they? Trainers are lovely.
1: I don't do trainers, Jane. I've got my (laughs) blundstone boots out now. (laughs) I'm a classy bird.
0: Keep it classy.
1: Yeah, the next few uh, weeks for me are all about our November subscription box. So I'm going to be in the midst of the pages of the books and the tissue paper of the boxes, but it's all good.
0: Yeah, yeah. And have you chosen?
1: Oh, yes. I've chosen quite a bit in advance. It's just a case of... Getting everything together, wrapping it all up nicely, Aww. blowing a little kiss into each oh, I know I don't blow a kiss into Aww, each
0: box. I <laughs> wish it would. Oh, that'd be cute. Just make me
1: smile. I do look at every label and say, oh, it's going to Woking. Oh, it's going to Wolverhampton. It's going here, there, and everywhere. <laughs> it's
0: going to Kensington, darling. I hope so. <laughs>
1: I'm not sure about Kensington. We've lots going go to London. Yeah. Um, but.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, love, I love I love getting, getting your boxes. They really do. They're a lovely little bundle of joy when they arrive. And I just know that, you know, you've chosen them out of an array and you're thinking about, you know, what schools want, the national curriculum gaps to plug. You know, it's just so brilliant. And uh, I love seeing all the teachers who receive them because, you know, it's it's, it's boosting their library, their little classroom libraries as well, and um, we know that kids who read have got you know better chances for their future lives as citizens. So yeah,
1: absolutely. I love seeing it when the teachers get excited about them and post them on social media.
0: Aww. Just fill
1: me little heart with joy, hope hopeful little heart. Aww. Shall we say goodbye to folks, Jane?
0: Yeah. So it's heart bursts from Jane and Big Love from Heather. See you next week.